Amen. Okay, another area where I'm thankful for my wife is whenever I totally mess up parts of the song, she covers it up. You might not even notice, but I messed up pretty bad on the timing, and she just like covered it up. I almost panicked one time. <laughs> thankful, thankful for that. All right, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. I'm also thankful for a church too that's not, you know, too. Uh, Uptight about things, you know. If I do mess up, or my voice squeaks every now and then. You know, people don't get offended and walk out or start throwing tomatoes or anything like that, because uh, that that tends to happen every every now and then. Y'all are very supportive. I appreciate that. Today, I'm going to be talking about the parable of the seed and the sower. I, I love reading the different parables that Jesus told. A parable, if you don't know what it is, it's a story that has. Uh, a lesson that can be learned in it. You've probably heard the story, or I guess you call it the parable of the boy who cried wolf. You know, that's not from the Bible, but it's kind of the same thing. It's a story meant to teach kids, you know, not to lie, otherwise people aren't going to believe you, and one of these days you're going to need them to. And Jesus, he told many parables. Uh, the reasoning for those was, uh, he said, if I was to tell you heavenly things, you wouldn't understand it. So he would put things, thankfully, in ways that we can understand, and he would tell them stories. And it was a big help. If you all notice the extra noise going on back there, we've got the heater going. We have a baptism tonight, so that's what that is. It's nothing that's going to blow up or anything. <laughs> but uh, So Matthew chapter 13, and we'll start reading in verse 1. It says, The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. And others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Right here we see a parable that Jesus gives. And it's one that these people probably could understand very well. Back in those days, there were a lot more farmers than there are now. So these people, they knew something about planting things and they understood sowing seeds and they understood when He was talking about the different grounds. They understood what He was talking about. It made sense to them. And it was very clear to them. And Jesus, he all, he, so He goes on and then a little bit later in the in the passage, we're not going to take time to read uh, the whole chapter, but he goes and he explains to them this parable of the seed and the sower. He says in verse 18, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places... The same is he that heareth the word, and Anon with joy receiveth it. Uh, Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed 
And to the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let's pray. Good Lord, we ask that you'll be in this message today. Lord, I pray you'll help each one to understand. I pray you'll give them the spiritual understanding to just see what you're trying to teach us here. And I pray that it will be a help. And in your name we pray. Amen. So we have, we have this parable of a farmer, a sower. And this farmer, he goes around, you know, back then they didn't have all the fancy tractors like we have today. They had to do these things by hand. And they would grab that, that, uh, they'd grab those sacks full of seeds, maybe for wheat. And they would take those things, we just sang the song, Bringing in the Sheaves, and that's kind of based off of this passage. And they, they go and they take a handful of that and they just kind of throw it all over the place. I've done that before with grass. I remember doing that one time. Taking you just kind of throw it all over the place, and then it's exciting when you get to see it grow. But they would do that, and then but you know some ground isn't real good when it comes to planting. There are some places you're going to have a real hard time growing anything, and there are some places where it's going to be a little better. But uh, so Jesus he tells them something. He gives them an example of something they can understand to teach them something spiritual. So first, I want us to look at these things and see. We're going to kind of go through and see what it was that Jesus is trying to teach us. And the first thing we want to look at is the sower. The sower in this pass in this passage, the farmer. I believe that the sower represents anyone who's a Christian and sharing the word of God. If you today, if you are, if you're saved, if you are a child of God, I believe that God has called you to be. A sower. John chapter 15, verse 16 says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We see here that God said, You didn't choose me. I chose you. A lot of people, they think, that when it comes to being a Christian, it's like they've got this attitude, I'm doing God a favor. I'm doing God a favor by getting saved. I'm doing God a favor by going to church and serving Him. I'm doing God a favor by loving Him. Boy, He must really be impressed with me. But the truth is, we love Him because He first loved us. He initiated the whole thing. If you got saved, it was because you were drawn of the Holy Spirit. He instigated all of that. And He said that you didn't choose Me I chose you and I've ordained you. He said, I've ordained you. He's got a special purpose that we should bring forth fruit. And then he said, and then notice the end of that verse, he says, In whatsoever you shall ask of the Father, in my name he may give it you. You know, many people they use that passage when it talks, and they will uh, they leave out the first part. And they think, well, whatever I ask for, I should get. You'll hear the TV evangelist. Quote that last passage a lot of times because they want you to give money or you know just ask God to give you a new car, ask God to give you you know a thousand dollars and you know he'll just, he'll just do it. But you know I don't believe that applies to everybody that's saved. I believe that that's talking about people who are following the will of God for life and trying to bring forth fruit. You know if you if there's somebody that you care about and you want to see him get saved, boy, what ask God, pray, do His will, sow the seeds. And I believe that God will give you that fruit. I don't think He's talking necessarily about money here or material things. But the sower, it's anybody who's a Christian sharing the Word of God. The seeds. 
The seeds, what's that farmer spreading? Alright, in this story, I don't know, God doesn't say exactly what kind of seeds he's planting. But we do see here in the explanation of that Jesus gives, what Jesus was trying to teach, that the seeds are the word of God. That the the scripture, this is it's the seed. We're supposed to spread that. That's why we like handing out gospel tracts. That's why it's good to quote scriptures. That's why anytime I preach, I like to give scriptures because these scriptures hopefully are going to plant their seeds and hopefully they'll plant somewhere in your life and they'll grow into something. That's whenever you witness to people, you're planting a seed. Sometimes it takes a long time before that seed grows up in anything. Sometimes you might even have to plant many seeds before something finally happens. But that's why, as a sower, we just want to be spreading as many seeds as we can. Not every single one's going to do something, but the seed, it's the Word of God. And one of the keys to getting people to realize that they need a Savior, the key to getting there to be a change in somebody's life, is the Word of God. Well, we need the Bible more than ever. We need the Word of God. It's sad today just how little attention people pay to the Word of God. There's churches you can go to today where very little will be said from the Bible. The pastor might get up and he'll maybe read one verse and then he'll just kind of give a motivational speech from there on out. And I'm all for a motivational speech every now and then, but that's not what we need. We need the Word of God. We, that's why, I mean, it's important to get people into the house of God. You get them in here, they're gonna hear the Word of God. They're gonna hear scriptures, and these things are seeds, and they can, and they're meant to produce fruit. And the third thing we see here is the fruit in the story that this, that it, that it produces. The fruit. Um, it says in verse four, it says, some of the fruit, or the, some of the seeds, they fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devour them up. Now, what is the fruit that we're wanting to see? Well, we're wanting to see, we're wanting to see people. I believe that that's a fruit that we see other people get saved and give their lives to Christ. That's the fruit that God's talking about right here. He's talking about souls. Tell you, there's nothing, there's nothing more valuable in this whole world, the Bible says, than a soul. There is nothing that equals the value of a soul. As a church, we need to be trying to reach lost souls for Christ but you know what? Unfortunately, not everybody, not everybody's going to get it. There are those who are on the wayside. And in verse 19, he explains that, what that means. It says, When one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. <clears throat> this is he which receives seed by the wayside. You know, you're going to run into this quite a bit. And when it comes to witnessing, you might be witnessing to somebody on the job, and you quote them scriptures that maybe that you understand. Maybe it's a scripture that just changed your life. I've seen this happen before. I've even seen it happen with me. Boy, you learn something from the Bible, and boy, it just it convicts your heart. It changes your life, and you're thinking, man, I got to tell somebody about this. And then you go and you share it with somebody else, and they just kind of look at you like, I don't get it, or who cares. And I remember when I was uh, when I was a teenager. I was I was 16 years old. I got my first job at McDonald's, and I remember I had listened to this message about rock music and about just the evils of rock music and a lot of the um, origins of rock music and things. And man, I heard all this information, just good information. I'm like, man, 
Why would anybody listen to this stuff? I was like, boy, just where it came from and who some of these people are that write this stuff. And I, and I remember I went and I was working with this guy and he was real big into some of the real nasty stuff. And I remember I was like, don't you know what the origins of rock music are? And I started telling him, and I started telling him all these things. I'm thinking after I tell him this, man, he's going to throw all that stuff away. You know what he told me? He's like, I know. I'm like, what? You know that? He's like, yeah, I know. I don't care. I still like it. I'm like, man, I heard that, and I'm thinking I'm never going to listen to that stuff. But you know what? Not everybody gets these things. I, you know, I, I hear a scripture on. I'm thinking, whoa, boy, that's that's powerful. That's good. And, you know, I, I share that scripture, and they just so I don't I don't get it. That's happened many times. People ask, you know, you, you, you get something from the Word of God and you think this is going to change it. Now, there's been many times that God's given me messages. I thought, boy, I'm going to, I'm going to preach that message and it's going, to, it's going to change the church. Boy, there's going to be a revival. Um, there's going to, all these people are going to get saved. All these things are going to happen. And you go and you preach it and everybody just kind of looks at you like, don't get it. You know, it was nice, but I don't get it. I'm just going to be honest with you. The first, our first service that we had here, I was expecting another day of Pentecost. You know, see, I thought we were just going to have multitudes get saved, and you know, I mean, I, I knew it was possible it wouldn't happen. But at the same time, you know, I'm thinking, man, I got this message is powerful, and you know, but you know what? Not everybody gets it. There are those who are on the wayside. They don't understand it. You know what? And then sometimes I have to remind myself, you know what? I've read that passage many times and I never understood that. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes more than one seed. Some people don't always understand the first time you witness to them. There's going to be people that you love and you care about and you think, I want to share the Word of God with them. And you go and you share Scripture and they're going to reject it. They're going to refuse it. They're not going to want it. Don't let that discourage you. Don't let it stop you. Those are just those who are on the wayside and it just may take more than one seed being sown. It may take, sometimes it can take years. I've heard stories about people who somebody prayed for them for 30 years, witnessed to them for 30 years before they finally got saved. It sometimes takes a long time. There are certain grounds that are just not real good for planting. And there are some people, maybe they've, they've been raised or where they've never been in church. They've never read the Bible. There's people, sadly, they, even in America who really don't even know who Jesus is. I mean, they know His name. They've heard it cursed enough times. They know the name. But they know very little about him. If they, if you ask, they don't even realize that he died personally for their sins. They don't understand that, and so that's why we just got to keep sowing seeds. You just keep sowing seeds, and hopefully they'll eventually get it. Also, it says those on stony places. Verse five in Matthew chapter thirteen says some fell upon the stony places where there had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Stony places is not a real good place to grow fruit or to grow, fruit or to grow plants. They can grow there, but it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard. You're not going to see it happen that often. Verse 20 in this chapter explains it. It says, "...but he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and Anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he no root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by, he is offended. You see that a lot on 
maybe on a gravel parking lot, you'll see plants growing up out there. And your sidewalk, sometimes something will grow in between those cracks in the sidewalk. I mean, you've got, you'll have a place in your yard where it's like you try to plant stuff and nothing will grow. And then you've got places where you've got to actually spray things down to try to kill it. But you know what? Those plants are usually, that grow in those spots, aren't anything that produce any fruit. You don't usually see a nice apple tree planted in the, you know, coming out of a concrete or a gravel area. Those things are usually going to be in good earth. Most farmers, before they go and they plant those cornfields and things, they got to clear a lot of stuff out of there. They got to clear the rocks out and all the weeds and different things, and they spray fertilizers and things to keep other junk out of there so the plants that they want will grow good. And there are some people who are in stony places, and those are the people who I believe they get saved, but they never produce any fruit. You've probably seen that. If you've been in church very long, you'll see people that come and they'll hear the Word of God and boy, they receive it gladly. They'll give their heart to Christ. They'll get saved. They might even come and get baptized and join the church and get involved, but maybe within a year, maybe even less, they're out of church and they're back in the same situation they were in before. Part of bearing fruit as a Christian is not just trying to win other people, but also having the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You know, the love, joy, peace, and long suffering, all those, uh, the good works, those are fruits of the Spirit. And sometimes there are some people that they receive the Word of God, they get saved. I believe they're on their way to heaven, but you don't see any fruit in their life. Many times people will use them as an excuse not to give their heart to Christ or not to go to church. They'll say things like, well, that church is full of hypocrites. Alright? Well, unfortunately, you know, you have all kinds of churches. Not everybody's perfect. And, you know, from the pastor on down, nobody's, they're not, they're not all perfect. There are some hypocrites that are going to come through. But a lot of times these are people that they just, they got saved, but they're in stony ground. They're, they've, uh, there's a lot of junk that's in their life. There's a lot of uh, things that they're involved in. Maybe uh, you see that a lot with young people. Maybe their parents aren't saved. You know what? They're in stony ground. It's going to be hard to grow in those situations. I can't imagine trying to do right in this day and age as a teenager, even if you're saved, when your parents don't back you up and support you. That'd be tough. I've seen that a lot where kids, they grow up, they get, they come maybe on the bus route and they're in church and they're faithful and they get saved and I believe they're saved. I believe they're on their way to heaven, but boy, they hit those teenage years and they get that peer pressure in their life and their parents won't support them and their parents don't encourage them to do right and you see them fall away. You see them get out of the house of God and they don't, they don't reproduce. They don't bring anybody else to Christ. You know why? They're on stony ground. I believe one of the things that we want to do as Christians, we want to make sure we keep different junk out of our life. We don't want our kids being raised in stony ground. They might get saved, but I want my children to produce fruit too, so I gotta be careful I don't let certain sins in my life. I gotta, I wanna keep them in the house of God. I wanna keep them on good ground so they'll produce fruit. But there's, so there's those in stony places. But this teaches that we need the Word of God not just to teach us how to be saved, but also to teach us how to live for God. It's very important that we do... My, my dad, the family that he came from, it was I believe it was stony ground. But you know what? Thankfully, my dad, he took a lot of stands. He got a lot of the junk out of his life that was a part of his family's life. And he raised us in good ground. I'm thankful for that. 
Just because you're on bad ground, just because you're on the wayside or on stony ground doesn't mean that you can't let God do a work in your life and plant something great. God can do that. But it takes work. Just like those cornfields you see out there, they weren't all empty like that at one time. A lot of work went into getting those fields like that and now it's very easy to grow corn out there. You're not going to see those farmers out in the middle of the woods with their combines. Okay, There's too much junk there. They have to clear that stuff out first. And there's things that uh, we need to clear out of our life if we're going to produce fruit for God. But also says there's those in thorny places. Chapter seven or verse seven says, "And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them." Jesus explains what that means in verse twenty-two. It says, "He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful." I've seen this this way too much. You know, we we live in a wicked world today. We live in a world there's there's a lot of problems. We see just all the trouble that's out there with just drugs today and just crime and uh just immorality and I mean just so much wickedness that's out there. And many times I, I it's it's just breaks my heart when I see this. You'll see somebody maybe desperate. Boy, I mean they they are they're desperate. They're at the end of their rope and they they come and you want to be a help to them, and you go and you share the Word of God with them, and you tell them about Jesus Christ, and they can't seem to give themselves to Christ. They can't seem to accept it. And you know why? It's because all they can think about are all the troubles that they're in. I talked to a man one time who was he'd gotten kicked out of his house. He was staying with a friend who was only going to let him stay there for one more night. He had absolutely no place to go. He couldn't get a job. His he had too much on his record from drugs and things. He'd spent a lot of time in jail, and just his life was just a, a total wreck. And I'm talking to him, and I'm, and I'm telling, you know, I don't, I, I don't have the money to just solve all his financial problems. I, I can't afford to just give him a place. And really, all I could do, and really, the best thing he needed was he needed Jesus Christ in his life. And I tried to tell him about Christ, but all he could think about was, where am I going to stay tonight? Or where, where am I going to stay tomorrow? What are my kids going to eat? He was so worried about all those things. And it was a position that he had gotten himself into because of sin. But he was not ready to hear the Word. I tried sowing seeds, but he couldn't hear it. All he could think about was the cares of this world. And you know, we live in a world today that people are, people are hurting. People are suffering because of sins. And many times when you try to witness to them, they're just not ready to hear it because there's just so much going on in their life. They're so stressed out. They're so, they're in so much turmoil. They've got so many problems and things that they're, they're facing that they just, they're not ready to hear it. You tell them, well, you know, you need, you need to go to church. But they don't, they don't understand how that's going to put food on their table. They don't understand how that's going to pay for their bills. They don't get that. And that's all they can think about. They're, and they get choked with the cares of this world. And it's, it's sad when you see that. You share the Word of God, but they're just, they can't receive it because they're just being choked by the cares of this world. And as Christians, we want to make sure too that we don't get caught up in the things of this world. Listen, just because you're saved doesn't mean that it can't happen. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, John's talking to saved people. And he he uh, and he's taught he tells them not to love the world or the things that are in the world. 
We don't want to get caught up in the things of this world. If we do, we're going to get so focused on all the troubles that are surrounding us, we're not going to be able to produce fruit. You know, you talk to people about serving God and about, uh, you know, you start to talk about being a witness for God. They can't think about that. All they can think about are maybe is their wife that they're about to lose or their children that are in trouble. I, I can't even imagine that. I, I, I knew one guy who all three of his kids, I talked to all three of his kids, not at the same time, that were in the detention home. The jail for kids. All three of them. I can't imagine my kids being in jail. Especially my daughters. I remember one, there was one time two of them were in there at the same time. You go try to witness to somebody like that. Obviously, he needs Christ in his life. Obviously, he needs to change his way. You would think it would be so clear that he needs God in his life. But you know what? All he can think about is all the problems his kids are having. That's all they, that's all they can think about. And they get choked to many Christian people today too. They know the right answers about things. They know they need Christ in their life. They can answer the questions right. But when it comes down to really putting their trust in Christ and doing the right thing, they just feel like they can't do it because they are so overwhelmed with the cares of this world. Sometimes it's not even necessarily bad things. Sometimes maybe they're so caught up in their job or they're so caught up in trying to... Sometimes it's good things. They get so involved in different activities and their kids are all involved in all these different sports and things and they're just so busy that I don't have time for church. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time for all those things. And sadly, you never see them produce any fruit. You never see them pass these things on to the next generation. It's so important that we don't do that. That we make sure we keep the things of the world out of our life because otherwise they're going to choke us. People think, I can handle it. I can, I can allow these things in my life. I can allow these things in my home and we'll be okay. I'm sorry, but that's not the case. That's not the case. Don't do that. Those things will choke you. They'll get you down. Just this, uh, just this last week, you know, I've been, I've been starting to look for a part-time job somewhere, and I, I've always kind of wanted to sell cars. And I talked to the guy at the car dealer, and uh, I told, I was talking about how starting a church and trying to pass their church, and so I don't know, I don't want to work too many hours because I don't want to neglect things there. And uh, he was saying it might work out, and then I told him I had five kids, and he's like, "Whoa." Uh, that's that's a problem. I was like, why is that a problem? And he's like, he starts pretty much pointing out everybody there, and he's like, you know, he's like, pretty much everybody here is divorced. So one guy sitting there is like, I see my son twice a week, and he said, I'm just gonna be honest, this job takes its toll on your marriage. You know, and I I thought about it, and he's like, you know, go home, think about it. And I thought about it, I was like, you know what, I don't. I don't think I'm better than anybody else. That could get to me too. I'm not saying that that job's a bad job. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, in my situation with five young kids, it's not going to work. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to get too caught up in that to where I lose my family. I don't want that to happen. I told him, I said, yeah, I can't really afford to get divorced right now. I said, I kind of need my wife. <laughs> and, I, and I meant it. But you know what? People, they think they can handle some things. And let me tell you, I'm all for working, I'm all for making money, but let me tell you, it's more important that you take care of your family. And that's more than just making a lot of money sometimes. I think you're better off living in a crummier house, driving an older vehicle, 
and actually being there for your wife, being there for your kids. Those things are important. Otherwise, you can get so caught up in, once again, the cares of this world that you just get choked out and then you can't produce fruit. You don't want to do that. Then finally, we see here those on the good ground. There were those that were on the good ground. It says in verse 8, it says, and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold and some thirtyfold. You know that's the goal. Whenever a farmer is, plant, uh, is planting things, they'll put that one seed in the ground. If they only got one seed back, well, that's not really worth it, is it? The whole point of it is they're wanting to get a hundredfold. Boy, they'll get those uh, uh, corn stalks, and they've got hundreds of little pieces of corn on there, and they'll have maybe three of those things on, and that's what they want. They're trying to multiply. And as Christians, we should be wanting to multiply. We should be wanting our church to get bigger, and our families, we should be wanting them to get saved. I mean, think about it. If everybody who is a Christian today just won their families to Christ, and we didn't lose any of them, Christianity would just be booming, wouldn't it? You know, the Muslim religion is what they say is the fastest growing religion in the world. You know why? Because those Muslims are passing on. The Muslim religion to their children and their family. They have big families and they're growing, and it's it's getting big. It's taking over in some countries. But Christians say we're not producing any fruit. We're not we're not uh, we're not growing. And it says in uh, verse twenty three, but he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold some 60 and some 30. So those who hear it and understand it. I believe those of you that are here today, you've heard the Word. Obviously, you understand it. You've come back. You're doing things in your life. I believe that this church, I believe that it's, I believe it's good ground. But you know what? We're not always the best judges of what ground is ready for planting. And you know what? God didn't really tell us. I gave you some examples, but He didn't. Jesus didn't really take the time in here to explain how to see the different uh, grounds and things. I believe what He wants us to do is just be spreading the word everywhere, just sowing seed everywhere. Because you know, let me tell you, there are some places where it is easier to to plant fruit. I know in the Philippines right now, God's doing a lot of great things in the Philippines. There are many. Christianity is spreading like crazy over there. Many revivals going on over there. God's doing a great work in the Philippines. I know in Mexico, Christianity is spreading there. Catholicism kind of, I mean, was had a stronghold on it. And I know that I know Christianity is growing there. I've heard a lot of good things. What's going on there in Mexico? But you know what? At the same time, I believe we need to be planting on places where the ground isn't real good. I think I think America. I think Illinois. It's not the best ground in the world right now. We might be farm country. We might be good for planting corn, but you know what? We're not doing real good on planting the seeds of the Word of God. And let me tell you, we need we need to do that. And as we do, you're going to see people come up out of it. There's some bad ground in this area, but you know what? I believe that God's going to raise people up in this area. We're going to see people get saved that are maybe from wicked homes and wicked lifestyles and you see God make a change in their life and you're going to see them start to get a lot of the junk that's in their life away and they're going to raise their family on good ground. I believe we're going to see that because where the Word of God is, I mean, it's powerful. The Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Isaiah 55.11 says, 
shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. I believe that the main reason today that it seems that the Word of God is not having an effect is just because we're not getting it out there enough. We're just not spreading enough seeds. If we start spreading more seeds, if we continue to preach the Word of God, continue to tell other people about the Word of God, it will have an impact. But if we continue to be silent, then it's not going to do any good. Unfortunately, you don't see too many people these days just on their own going and searching the Scriptures. Some people do. My dad, back in uh early 90s, he went over to Russia. And they would they took Bibles over there. They took thousands of Bibles over there. And they would go into these areas and just announce they had Bibles. And people would come running. They would come running to get those Bibles. They would come, they, they'd give these Bibles to people and they'd start, they'd start crying right there. And you'd see people just sitting there immediately reading the Word of God. Those people, they were hungry for the Word of God. You don't see that a whole lot. You're not seeing that much in America today. But you know what? They, those people, they, they, wanted the word, they wanted the Word of God. And the Word of God is powerful. It can change things. It's, it's changed our world. Last year, we celebrated the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible. It's what brought us out of the Dark Ages. For hundreds of years, over a thousand years, just the world was a horrible place. It was a dark place. We called them the Dark Ages and for good reason. But boy, once the Word of God started getting into the hands, not just of the church and of the rich people, but of the common people, it literally changed the world. This Word of God is powerful, but we got to get it. We got we got to get it in the hands of people. We've got those John and Romans out there, give them to people, encourage them to read them, read it, tell them about it. If we do that, if we start planting seeds, we you will see fruit. You will see it, and I pray that you'll do that. So let's stand together this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed.